Greetings, troubled listeners, and welcome to the Troubled Men Podcast. I am Renee Coman, sitting in the ring room with my co-host, the original Troubled Man for Troubled Times and future mayor of New Orleans, Mr. Manny Chevrolet. Welcome, Manny. Thank you again, Renee, yes. for having me on your show. Well, uh, our, it's it, our show. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I heard. Uh, it's <laughs> our show. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, thank you. Uh, how, how have you been? I've been good, been good. You know, had uh, had a, a few days off there after the the, uh, the the push of Jazz Fest. So we were discussing last week how you know you were. I was suggesting you were you were feeling a little bit of the letdown of, of the the excitement. You know, you're a little yeah. And I was thinking about blue. that in the past few days. Yeah. I think you're totally wrong. I'm totally wrong. Okay. And you were using a lot of big words that well, I didn't I was, understand. Yeah, like yeah, ennui yeah, or ennui. It's, it's, it's kind of just kind of a yeah. small word. Ennui. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, yeah it's, well, it's only five it, letters. I yeah, think. Yeah, but I don't know what it means. Yeah, it's, you know, it's that and, and, that kind of French sadness. You know, that that uh, yeah. that sadness of being. It's kind of a uh, uh, not very focused. It's just a general. Eh. Yeah, I don't know what it means. Well, I, you, I don't know what you mean. But anyway, yeah, it's over, and I'm glad it's over. Well, and uh, and w- what's funny is, as they announced today, you know, the whole big news of the 50th Jazz Fest where the Stones were supposed to play. Right. And now Jagger's healthy, and they're coming into the Superdome. Okay. Wow. So those people who got their $185, $200 back are not going to have to pay $400 to see them in the dome. Right. You know, which is such a money fucking grab. Just like um, uh, also what happened, I heard uh, today, was uh, there's a Mardi Gras crew that's going to do a parade during the summer. Knicks, yes. Yeah, this yes. is an all-women crew. Right. Who is, uh, uh, they're, they're pretty big now. Uh-huh. They've, they've grown in the last few years, right. uh, as far as I can tell. Mm-hmm. And they now, they, because they're so big, they've added an extra day that second week of parades, only to fulfill them. Wow. You know, because there never was those Wednesday parades during the second week, but now that Nix is here. Second week of what? Of uh, the parades rolling, of Mardi Gras. Oh, okay. But yeah. they're going to they're gonna roll during the summertime. Yeah, they're rolling the during the month of July, of which, season. which should be very comfortable. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know very comfortable. And to me, it's a nothing but a money grab by the head of this crew. It's well, like, it's, people can't get enough. That's the thing. You know, they, yeah. they, they, they look at that... that uh, the, the gap between, well, I got to say, don't get too comfortable with no festivals because uh, this weekend we have uh, Bayou Boogaloo, which is. Yeah, which is right in my, my neighborhood. neighborhood. Yeah, yeah. Which, is right, which, is, which is actually okay because nobody drives there. Okay. You know, it's all about people paddling on their boats and stuff and like walking that. Walking from the So I don't have to, it's not like Jazz Fest where I have to worry about my parking and all that kind of okay. stuff. And I don't really hear it because the bands usually there suck. Well, you that's know, not true. You know, um, and... Um, no, plenty of good acts there. Like who? Name one. Well, one right now. I don't know who's tick, on, on talk, the bill. Tick, I don't know talk, who's on the bill yeah, this yeah, year, see, but I've, you don't I've, know. I've seen... You're not on the bill, band. so you know that. You're free this weekend. I'm not on the bill this, this year, but I, I have played multiple times at uh, yeah, Bayou Boogaloo. It, you know, it, you can't make them every year. You know, they, they switch it up. It's, it's you anyway. know, whatever. It is what it is, and I can care less about it. Okay. But... Um, For change. Yeah. Um, so your, your usual enthusiasm isn't yeah. isn't carrying forth to this no, this event. Okay. No. Right. In fact, uh, you know, it's like everything here. It, it starts out really cool that first year, that first weekend, and then it builds up to just being like this huge fucking mess, oh, which yeah. is what it has become. It's become a huge fucking mess, huh. and it used to be free. 
Yes. Like everything used to be free, and now they're charging so, now. Yeah, yeah. They're charging. Well, now. you know, the, the interesting part of that is uh, from what I, I read in the article, the city is charging them something like six times what they used to Good. charge them for the they land. They should. Use. And take that money to fix my uh, porch. Well, they won't. Yeah. They for sure won't. No, <laughs> the, the city will take the money, but, yeah. but the, there, won't be, sh- there won't be one less pothole, there won't be one less power or. Outage or or uh, you know one less um, boil uh, boil water order so right you know, so what is the city doing to them they're they're charging them they they I don't know quadrupled sextupled their uh, their land use charge so you know that used to be they say well you know you have to pay for the the land you're using well we're using this land to provide this free event for the public right so, yeah. whatever you know it's the I have a lot a lot of problems with with the way this administration is is coming out the bat this is supposed to be a good government administration I'm waiting to see it I, I, all I see is a lot of attitude when when they get called on these these uh, lack of transparency issues I see a lot of bluster and yeah, but that's been going on not just this administration well, the no, administrations no. before well, and before but this is before. supposed to be a good government administration this is, you know this is, that's how it was sold to us anyway you know this is not not right. the same old corruption, same old insider, uh, you know, good old boy uh, well, network. All well, they gotta do is elect out, me. Uh, well, all they gotta I, I, do is elect me, but no one wants to that, elect me. I do, man. That's what. That's kind of what I'm getting at here. You, okay. you know, you're 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 arguing against my point. Anyway, um, I, you know, I, I heard they're boy, they're starting early with the cleanup here, huh? <laughs> she, she's got a date. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hot date. Um, you know, I did see something interesting, which which uh, was uh, kind of amused me. Uh, one of our mutual friends uh, apparently just just had a, a sobriety date pass, a sobriety anniversary, and he oh post- God, who posted, the fuck is this? Posted well, it doesn't matter, but posted uh, eleven years. Eleven just years. Eleven of years of sobriety, and they had all these people chiming in to say, "Oh, congratulations! That's yeah. wonderful. You know, keep strong. I'm <laughs> Cheers so happy to for you. you. <laughs> Cheers to you." And, and I'm, I'm reading all this, and of course, my sick mind, the the my what I think is. Well, I should chime in and go, hey, that's great, man. Let's go party. How about we celebrate? Yeah. Well, I'll, sp- I'll split a 40 with you. Yeah, split, oh, I, oh, I know who but, you're talking uh, about. But, yeah. you know, I thought, I thought better of it. I thought, no, Renee, you know, just chuckle to yourself over that because, you know, nobody has a sense of humor about the, any of this stuff, you know, and it's, I'm just going to invite a lot oh, of... Oh, that would have been funny. Though. Well, that I know, I know, but it's, I saved it for this. And instead okay. of, uh, you know... He has eleven years. Really? Eleven years. Yeah, 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 yeah. God, you know what? And he's so much more annoying now than he was eleven <laughs> years ago. That's the problem I have with it. Well, you know, yeah, he's you know. so annoying now. Yeah, yeah. You know. <laughs> what do they call that? I don't know. There's a name for that, I think. Um, uh, and I'm still waiting for the, yeah, the, yeah. the step where where, yeah. we, where we make amends, where we get amends well, made. I get paid yeah, back. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah, right, right, yeah, right. Fuck you, pay me. Fuck you, pay me. Exactly. Um, well, you know, so so let's let's pivot here to our guest. <laughs> Okay, and, and uh, he's 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 a drummer. He's totally drunk right now. Yeah, yeah. He's, he hasn't yeah, been he, sober he, in years. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, it, but he's got a good sense of humor about it. That's what yeah, I like. Yeah. Um, and he's he's a drummer I've known for a bunch of years. He's he's uh, New Orleans native. He's actually the second drummer we've had on this podcast. So I like to keep track of stuff like that. I'm, I'm guessing you're a Catholic. We can get to all that later. You know? No. Oh wow. Oh, okay. One goodness. of the first non-Catholics on the podcast. Okay, Non-Catholic right, okay. drummer too. Okay. So uh, he uh, he started off with well he started off playing in New Orleans, but uh, then he, he as a young man he, he was in Wayne Cochran's CC. Riders had a great run in Miami and all over the, the country playing in that band. He uh, later had a, a, a long run, which even still continues with Luther Kent and Trick Bag. Um, 
Without further ado, Mr. Alan Robinson. Welcome, Alan. It's good to be here. Yeah, man. Good to have you. <laughs> you know, I was telling one of our, our previous guests, uh, Dave Clements, that I was having you on as a guest, and he got so excited. He goes, wow, I might actually listen to that one. <laughs> <laughs> he hasn't even listened to his own episode. Hey, I've got star power. Well, know? yeah, clearly, clearly. <laughs> so today, just to, to catch myself up, I was, I was going back and listening to, uh, to that, that first Cochran record. Right. Man. Uh, and for, for our guests that, that, that aren't familiar with, with uh, Wayne Cochran and the CC Riders, it was a three-piece rhythm section, Correct. bass, guitar, and drums, right. you as the drummer, yes. Charlie Brent as the guitar player and arranger. Correct. Um, he's another New Orleans guy. Yes. Now, did you guys go to Loyola together? No, I started uh, through a mutual, the first band, I started playing professionally when I was 16. Right. And the guys I played with were older than me. Uh-huh. So they were going to Loyola and they drug me down there and they said, man, you got to, you know, the school was a melting pot mm-hmm. of like so many great, I met Johnny Vodakovich, Ray Franson, Charlie Brand, uh, Angel Trostler. Walter Payton was yeah, there. Walter I saw a picture. Payton. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Uh, the who's who right. came out of that school during that period. Right. So anyway, that was my connection there, mm-hmm. you know, with but Charlie with, was with at Charlie. Loyola at some exactly at he the was same there at that same time at that okay, same right, time. Right, right. Yes, he was kind of running the jazz department. Okay, and, and you know he was writing and uh, was a huge influence. That that whole circle group of people, you know, people uh, Dennis Wilson, Thomas Wilson, like I said, uh, Rodney LaFawn, Bobby Ola, uh, just on and on right. of musicians that came out of that time period that were makers and shakers, not only locally, but nationally. Right. And so, so, so Charlie wrote, uh, so, so three-piece rhythm section and 13 horns? It was 11 horns. 11 horns. Four trumpets, three trombones, and four saxes. Okay. And it was a lot of guys from New Orleans Correct. who played in that Wayne Cochran band. Right. And like, so you, and then, and then even after you, I know like at one time, Jerry Meehan was the drummer. Yeah, yeah Jerry uh, replaced He was me. after you. Yes. Okay. Yes. And Dave Watson. Dave Watson. Another, now, Correct. was Dave from New Orleans? Yes, Dave from New okay. Orleans. Okay. Right. I literally, I was the one that actually got Dave that gig uh, on my time off, uh, which many people, at, we uh, kind of, I used to do bootleg sessions at night recording studios. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. And the, the rhythm section was Camille and uh, Reggie. Okay. And Eddie. And then, but first, before that, Dave Watson was the bass player. Okay. And Jocko had, had been on a band and had left, and we had an interim interim a bass player that just didn't kind of fit mm-hmm. so from doing the sessions with dave it was kind of we realized that he was one of the type of guys like they did with myself that had potential you mm-hmm. know if you had a certain amount and they were notorious that band was notorious for uh breeding world-class musicians at an early stage you uh-huh. know people like lee thornburg and who's a played with everybody. It's right. a famous thing. You know, Lon Price. Right, sure. And and the list goes on of, of players that came through that band. And it was a bit of a pressure cooker. You'd get in there and, and, and yes. it was sink or swim and, right. and, and some of the times you might have been like uh, like paddling for your life. Yeah, well you either it either made you a stellar player or it sent you home with your tail between your legs. Uh-huh. You know, Cranston Clemens played Right. Took yeah, Charlie's yeah, yeah. place. You know, uh, Kenny Cordray, a great uh, guitar player out of out of Texas, Houston, Texas. So that that particular band, the, just briefly, if if I may, the uh, the whole New Orleans connection started 
with uh, Tony Klatka, was the musical director who went on with Woody Herman. Well, no, I, I was friends with Tony when he came here, but that right. was that was much after that. Much after that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tony. Tony had played with with Wayne Cochran as a young, like a teenager. Really? Okay, I didn't realize. You that. know, from years, and so th- there was a and Tubby Ziegler, who's from Baton Rouge, who okay. played on Rainy Night in Georgia when he was nineteen years old, uh-huh. was one of the original drummers. With Wayne Cochran and the C.C. Riders. Okay. Back in the early days. You know, it was so ironic. In 1965, I was watching the Jackie Gleason show with my parents because they watch it. And I saw Wayne. Right. And I'm going, holy crap, look at this crazy. I, I can speak. <laughs> How, How old are you, are you then? How old I was 15 years old. Okay. And little did I know, four years later, I would be playing with That's him. That's crazy. But so, so that was all, the Jackie Gleason show was already a big, it was coming out of Miami, right. and Wayne yeah. already had a residency in, there in Miami? Yeah. yeah, he had a club called The Barn, and that was the connection. Jackie Gleason would come after the show and hang out at this club. All these celebrities, it was the place to go right. into Miami, and so that was that connection. You know, we had a, one of our early guests, this guy Dick Deluxe, who's is in New Orleans here, and his father was an academic and, and also played in the Jackie Gleason band. I think oh, he, wow. he taught in, at Miami, yeah. he taught the university and played in the Jackie Gleason band and the, and our friend Dick was was a little kid and he said oh yeah like I knew all those guys in the Jackie Gleason band and he knew all about Wayne Cochran right, from because yeah. it was so so much of a thing yeah yeah he was you know he's like an underground hero you know yeah. the for for years and years you know he wrote Last Kiss right right you know and I think he bought a house when uh uh, uh who was the band that recorded it recently? Uh, one of the newer newer bands. Oh, okay, uh, I, I'm drawing a blank. Yeah, but yeah, anyway, help you know, you. yeah, they. Uh, I'll think of it sure, in a sure, little sure. bit later. But uh, Wayne was a melting pot for musicians coming up, and there was a huge New Orleans connection. And through my connection of the people with Loyola, one of the drummers was leaving. And so that's how I got into that. And what was important at that particular point about the Cochran record is that there was no fusion at the time. Right. Yeah, there was jazz guys were beginning to realize, you know, they wanted to play be rock stars and right. and the, the the rock bands wanted to play jazz. Uh huh. You know, that's why I'm, that's how Mid- a bitch's brew came about. You know, Miles Davis wanted to be Sly Stone. Right. You know, right. and he quite looked like him for yeah, a yeah, while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Wayne, at, when the introduction of me, he beefed up the band and wanted a legitimate R&B big band. Mm-hmm. And with Charlie's writing, and from that record, we were the first non-jazz record to get a five-star rating in Downbeat Magazine. Right, right. Yeah, yeah it's incredible. So it was, and, and people, I mean, it was like amazing. It, it was so crazy. Uh, you know who Red Rodney is. Sure, sure. He played with Charlie Parker. Right. <clears throat> this guy did the house, was in the house bands at Caesars and the Flamingo and won $15,000 playing Keno, quit both his gigs and came out on the road with us okay. just to be able to play with that band. Yeah. Well, of course, he was too old and he couldn't, didn't last but that long. But I had just gotten on a band. Red Rodney, as you know, was just so batshit crazy. Yeah. You know, nobody wanted a room with him. So they said, well, stick him with the new guy. Well, I was the new guy because I'm 20 years uh-huh. old. And like, oh my God, what a blessing that was. Yeah. I got the room with Red Rodney wow. with some life lessons, you know, and he liked me. Yeah. You know, so that was, we talked about life and music. I mean, what a deep guy this, this guy was. Yeah. And plus he could play. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you ever heard him on any records, you know, he's like the, the cream of the cream. Right, right. Know? Yeah, yeah. So I did four years with that band and through, you know, that and 
Jocko had come on in a band. The Cochran record was a bass player called uh, named Artie Glenn. Uh-huh. Artie Galiniak, a little okay. Polish guy from Jersey. Uh-huh. <laughs> Pocket as yeah, wide yeah. as a Mack truck. Yeah, yeah, great. He yeah. plays great on that record. Could swing, right? could yeah. swing, yeah, just great, great player, you know. So, so at that time, did the, were, were the sweats... Was Blood, Sweat, and Tears already playing at that time, or is that... Yes. Okay, all right. You so had, there, but, there was a few groups that were kind of Yeah, you had Chicago, okay. you had Blood, Sweat, and Tears, you had bands like Cold Blood, you know, uh, but it was still nothing, as you can tell, the complicated, intricate arrangements that... And the harmonies and the yeah, voicing yeah, that, the that, voicings, that Charlie you know, would use. That, yeah, that, yeah. that, you know, Charlie like Stack... Like the Kenton Band or yeah, something. Yeah, 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 Charlie Stack Force, which was his right. signature thing, right. you know, because horn players would be playing there. You got 11 guys standing there and they playing a note and they going, man, I know this, this, this fits someplace in this chord, you know, but he would be, you know, in the voicing with one of the other uh, horn players. Right. But Charlie, uh, his writing was, was, you know, unique. Yeah, yeah. You know? yeah it's so fantastic. And, and you were saying, I've, I've heard you talk about, and, and Jocko, I guess, talks about how right. he learned, Jocko learned yeah. to write and learned to arrange from Charlie, from right. being on yeah. that band. Yeah. One little footnote, we, uh, when we just finished the, uh, the Cochran record, we just come out the studio, mm-hmm. and we played in Keystone, Berkeley outside of San Francisco uh-huh. and the opening band was Tower of Power okay. they were still just like a little lo- local band right. and they were big Wayne Cochran fans sure. already uh-huh. and we came out with the three piece rhythm section and 11 horns and they're just like holy cow man. Oh, so yeah. when you say rhythm section yes, tell sir. our audience out tell the folks at home what is a rhythm section that's Who's- people with rhythm Okay, all right. <laughs> so who are they? No, just, uh, it, it, a rhythm section will be usually a bass, uh-huh. a bass guitar, a guitar player, uh, and, and maybe a, a piano player. And with a three-piece rhythm section, which was unique, is that it was just bass, drums, and guitar. And a lot of times, it's a, it's a different way to play. The more people you play with, uh, the bigger the rhythm section, the, less res- the more restricted you are, especially uh, if you're playing, as Renee would know, a guitar player and a bass player, excuse me, a guitar player and a piano player, well, you have to match voicings right. and you and it you change. It gets dense, it gets a thickness yeah. and a yeah. certain... But if you just yeah. got the three-piece, you're if whether it's a, a trio with a bass, drums, and piano, or bass, drums, and guitar, the guitar player and piano player who dictates the voicings can just, like, have free... Yeah, for, carte blanche. All right, yeah. so out of the rhythm section, yes, who gets laid more? The bass player, the drum? It, it depends. It depends. It, yeah, my, how old they are and they're wearing. Yeah, depends. well, you know, it was like for me when I was on the Cochran band, I roomed with a trombone player who was just like, you know, he had a cot on the bus. Yeah, that's how much of a dog this guy. So I got you know, you know the girlfriend. It's like, well, you know, you know. I you didn't bring your girlfriend the on the road, did you? No, no well, that's later, taboo, later man. on. That's yeah, but taboo. the ba- you but can't the, do that. Yeah, the Renee trom- does that every yeah. once in a while. But the trombone player, whoever he was hustling, always had a, the girlfriend. Yeah. Well, I can't go because I got my girlfriend. So he would hook me up with the girlfriend. There you uh, go. So you know, through his lanyap, I All I right. did pretty good early on. Good. Uh, yeah. yeah. And that's a powerful band, man. You, when you when you when you play drums in that kind of powerful band, you know, yeah. the, 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 you, you can't help but notice Alan uh, yeah. playing like that. Man, I tell you what, and and that that circle song, I keep I hate to keep coming back to that, but yeah. but me and uh, and uh, Glenn Styler. 
previous uh, Troubled Men podcast guest. We we love that so much. It's it sounds like Wayne is about to start bleeding from his eyes. Yeah, He's yeah. singing so hard, and the band <laughs> is playing like they're playing behind somebody who who sounds like they're oh, about yeah, to start yeah, bleeding from yeah. the eyes. Well, you know, Charlie wrote that that bass line. Yeah, that, and what the it's very the, cool, man. Oh, it's got oh, all the space in it. Oh, and he man. plays the double stops. Yeah, and exactly. It's, it's really well, the, the concept behind the song was of. Uh, Funk, uh, funky Broadway. What song is this? Uh, Circles. Circles. Okay. It's a Wayne Cochran song. Was uh, uh, them changes and um, Funky Broadway. Uh huh. Was the inspiration for right. that particular song and and the groove rather. Yeah, man, well. and, and 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 Wayne just really pours it all out there, and he's going, I, I got to keep on walking, walking, walking. <laughs> Somebody cut off my highway. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's that's your country. What? You know, <laughs> yeah, man. So he was like, so Wayne was like the the uh, what they call him, the White Knight of Soul. He was yeah. like the White James Brown. He could well, dance like that. You know, Wayne, James Brown, Little Richard, and Otis Redding grew up at the same time within a hundred miles of each other. Yeah, all in, in Georgia. Yes, Wayne's from Thomaston, Georgia. Okay, and all those guys, you know, because they always said, and they were great friends with each other yeah. that's why their styles even though completely different they're so intertwined they right. in there in that that period you know because a lot of people trash wayne about being you know the white james brown but it wasn't a put on he no was, it wasn't was that's yeah, yeah, yeah they grew up together right right you know they had the buffon Lou richard got the buffon from escarita here uh-huh. when he came to new orleans <laughs> right, at the right. mile you know the mile my club and right. things like that right you know so that particular thing it wasn't one stealing from the other sure you know and uh it was just that all pulled from the same same, same pot of influences yeah exactly yeah and, and, and a lot of the church i'm sure you know you hear a lot yeah, of they a, all a wanted of, to be preachers right right you know they and Wayne eventually, you know, did when he retired, he became a very successful uh, preacher, you know, and uh, did a Is lot of... Is that for tax reasons? <laughs> he had to avoid no, taxes? No, I think it was just, well, his, his life changed, you know, but he did a lot of Trying good. To make up for... Yeah, he did a lot of good yeah. for, for the community. So, you know, I applaud him for that. Yeah, know? man. So whatever... Is he, he still it. alive? No, he passed away uh, recently within the last years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's, so. that's, what, that's how I figured out that this whole story with, with Dick Deluxe, because I ran into him right after Wayne had passed and I was right. saying oh man you know this guy was so great and he, and he and he of course Dick comes out with oh yeah no I knew, I knew him I knew the band because my dad was in the was right. like, yeah, yeah. Cow, is there anything I can mention to you that you don't have first hand knowledge of Dick it's, right. he's like yeah. the zealot of rock and roll that's <laughs> crazy um, so so then you're on that band for, for four years four years yeah had three different rhythm sections and then you, you migrate back to New Orleans like everybody from New Orleans. Right. It's Elephant's Graveyard. We all, yeah. if you go away, you yeah. will come back. It's just a matter of time, yeah. you know. And, and so then you have uh, uh, Luther Kent and Trick Bag. So Luther Kent had sung with Blood, Sweat, and Tears. Right, exactly. Um, and, but then you had the, the Trick Bag, which was like the Wayne Cochran band in exile, practically. It's well, like, a lot of those guys were alumni. That's what I'm saying. Almost everybody in, in Trick Except Bag. Except for two players. So you had like Bob Gable, who was, who was with you in the original, right. like the yeah. Cochran record The Cochran band. record. You know, me, Charlie, and Dave. Dave Watson played, you know, the rhythm section. Right. And man. Ward Smith and Jimmy Weber were the only two people in a 10-piece band that hadn't played, not at the same time. AJ and Brian, AJ Pittman and Brian O'Neill, Brian O'Neill and, yeah, and yeah. Eric Langstaff, those guys played after us, but, you know, Dave, Charlie, and I played together. 
Wow, it's so cool, man. And and yeah, I was I was looking at uh, at a video from. So, so that band didn't start till 1979. Correct. Uh, uh, yes. Uh, the Luther Kenton Trick Band. Correct. Well, I was seeing you guys in 1980, and I thought you'd been playing for years, <laughs> uh, but I guess you had been. You we know, had and, been. And, yeah. And, but, right. So yeah, it used to yeah. used to kill me, man. And then and so I was watching this uh, videotape of like jazz excursions. Jazz excursions. From yeah. Y E S. Yeah. PBS. And I'm watching Dave Watson playing. The band sounds terrific, and Dave is just playing so much bass, man. I'm yeah. thinking, you know, you couldn't get away with no, that today. No, you can't. Well, it's a three piece. So that <laughs> I mean, was that was the room. Even if you played in a three, just a three piece band, and you did that as a bass player, that you know, right. at yeah. some at some point <laughs> in the late '80s. Band leaders start looking over at us bass players doing that and going, "Really? Right? Yeah, really? exactly. Is that well, what you, really? Yeah, the climate changed. <laughs> the climate you know, did it, change. It, it did change. The role changed, and you know, it was a unique time. Like, and, and as you well know, Dave didn't play like that. And you know, forever. He, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, in in it, he played the the venue and and the gig. Yeah. You know, because him and I used to do all kind of. That's how I met you, uh, doing socials and stuff. Right. You know, and uh, you know. You and I go back. My goodness, how old were you? I was probably fifteen. Yeah, yeah. You, you, you were time. really young. Fourteen, and, 15, and through yeah. I think I'm not sure how I got on that either. Through Nat Krasnov, Krasnov, and Dave and I used to do okay. gigs with him. And I think you might have done some. But anyway, that was it, the Carrie Bouquet band, Carrie Bouquet and the Townsmen was the band yeah, that you and I met on. Yeah, you know. So it was, it was. But that's back when it was. You know, Carl Robinson. He'll work with anybody. You know. And I okay. Literally, I literally did. Right. You know, <laughs> you know, I had a wife and two kids. So sure. You know, but anyway you know I remember I, I learned a very good lesson from you if it wasn't on the first gig it was one of those first gigs we played and I think we were pl I remember it like it was yesterday we were playing uh, this tune Rockin' Pneumonia alright and they have like those syncopated uh, hits going into the five chord you know right and we were used to like everybody plays the syncopate uh, 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 you know we all play it together and I'm looking over at you like come on play it with me and you're just cool as a, a cucumber just playing straight through it you know and right. and, and you know, when it was over or something, or on the break, I said, yeah, you know, we usually do that. And you said, you know, a lot of times it's cooler if everybody doesn't play all right. the same thing together. And, you know, if, if I do that, then there's nothing to, for, to, there's for no you to balance. do that against, you right. know? Yeah. So it's, it's like a lot. And it really it gave me something to chew well, on. Yeah. And, and it, it really has it, it formed my concept that yeah. I still well, it becomes It becomes redundant. Yes. You know, and top and, heavy. Yeah, exactly. If everybody does the same thing, there's no yin and yang going on, and it's overkill. You know, so there's a certain beauty and genius in where, okay, it would be obvious, and a lot of times to do things that are implied because mm -hmm. you don't have to play it. You know, people will come and listen to me play, and they'll look, well, what, what, what the hell? He ain't Seems doing nothing. Like you're well, doing close what? your eyes, uh -huh. and they will go, oh my god, I hear all this other shit going on. Right. You know. And and it's like, but uh, you'll appreciate some. Not all my you'll appreciate this, uh, Manny. Not yeah. all, yeah. Not all my advice had been that kind over the oh, years. Okay. <laughs> I had a bass player come up to me a few years after we hadn't played together, and he says, "You know, Alan, I I need to thank you, man. You really did me a big favor." I'm going okay. This is before I was the nice guy I am now. He said, "You know, one night after the gig, you came up to me because." You know, he had a drinking problem. Okay. You know, 
<coughs> and he came Imagine up to me. A musician with a drinking problem. Yeah, a, a bass player with a drinking okay, problem. Okay, well. So he came up to me, you know, you came up to me after the gig, you know, and you looked me in the face and you said, you know, uh, I won't mention it because sure, you're a no. dear friend. Yeah, yeah. You know, no, tell us his name. No, no, Come no. on, tell yeah, us his no, name. No, no, I won't throw people under the bus. He's no, no. A, a, a dear friend. Anyway, I told him, I said, you know what? All drunk bass players sound the same. Yeah. And he says, I quit drinking. Wow. Yeah. And he still okay. sells the same? Uh, for, other, for other reasons, but not for alcohol. Question. Get off the subject. Yeah, of yeah. Career hey, no problem. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, um, I go out to eat sometimes. and You and know, I'm a private chef. Uh, yeah, I heard about that. Well, yeah, anyway, well, if you uh, want we'll to talk to about food. Yeah, no, no. But, well, I don't understand, you know, <laughs> you go to a restaurant, yeah. and then this, you know, I grew up in, in Los Angeles where they never gave you water in your table there. because yeah. there's always a drought. Right. But here, I don't understand that they come and they give you water, they put water down on your table. Right. And then five seconds later, they say, What do you want to drink? So it's like, Wait a minute, you just gave me some water. Well, so what do you I'm want to drink to dr- besides your water? I know, but I don't want to, you know, why give me the water if you're going to ask me to give me, uh, uh, you know, if I want to order a cocktail or a beer or some wine. So what's the point of giving me water? You know, just a little palate cleanser, you know, yeah, something yeah. to wet your whistle you know, no. so you're not, you're not spitting cotton when you're trying to choke that gin and tonic down. You know, I, I just understand. No. These are the things that bug me. It's like, yeah, you just gave uh, me a glass of water and now you, you want me to order something to drink? You I don't want, you know, that's bad business if you ask me. Uh, you know, it's bad business. I figure, you know, with, with a, with a, a, a sophisticated clientele, right, they're yeah. going to order you know, cocktails anyway. You know, okay. uh, may I These are the yes. jokes, people. May he inter- doesn't understand the may jokes. May I interject this? You know? Uh, Jesus Monty, Christ. You angst about superfluous okay. things. <laughs> yeah, okay. And why is this? Why is this? I don't know. It's uh, why, some why, why? Some okay, we had another school shooting down in Colorado. Uh, yeah, again, yeah. You know? well, let's, let's so I don't up. understand this. I don't understand this. They okay. evacuate all these kids. Right. There's hundreds. There's only five kids that are getting killed and there's two shooters or whatever. Okay. But all the other kids and faculty, they're having to put their hands on their head. Like yeah, they're, yeah. Like they're, 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 uh, they're well, suspects. Well, because they don't know who... He's doing you know, the but they don't have guns. They have hands it's, on their heads. So guilt. what's the point of that? No, you don't know that. <laughs> well, okay. They may Again, have. They may I'm have. Doing a, jokes they may here, have, and no one <laughs> understands the jokes. I don't know. Where, 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 yeah, I'm, I'm kidding. Where, yeah, yeah. Where's the punchline? Yeah, 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 I don't know. You know, <laughs> I'm, I'm leading to it, <laughs> well, but no see, one wants. Well, we to can hear talk it. about okay. my colonoscopy. Yeah, sure. I had that too. Oh. No, Manny. So, uh, so how's campus these days? Uh, is it quieting down? Yeah, all the all the kids are gone. Um, they're getting ready for Suckhawk, which is happening soon on campus. <laughs> it's and not happening anytime yeah. soon. Well, apparently they're already building the uh, really, the, the sheds the, or whatever the, the, the ovens, the sukkahs. Yeah, 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 the sukkahs, whatever yeah, they yeah, call yeah. them. It's you know, the booze. You know, the, yeah. the fest- festival of booze. You're familiar with that? The Catholic. Uh, Festival of booze. It's uh, yeah. No, I'm, I don't know. The, the Catholic about, Catholic right. jokes are wasted on me. Well, these yeah. aren't jokes. These are not jokes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, sadly. Yeah, sadly. I was but, talking about sukkah. Yeah, which is a Jewish ritual. Sukkot. Yeah, well, that's yeah. wasted yeah. on Sukkot, me as yeah. well. <laughs> so how did how did you, so you grew up in in uh, in Araby? Okay, or yeah. the ninth. I'm going to give you a lot of material here. You can run with okay, this. Okay, yeah. Let's I grew, have some I, jokes here. Well, I was born on Esplanade and. 
North Prayer. So okay. a prayer, if you had right. So I'm uh, a Treme, a charity hospital baby. Okay. Me and Ernie Cato. So I was born in charity hospital. Right on. But I, my, my father, my family moved to Chalmette in 1954. Okay. So basically I grew up in Chalmette. So I'm a Chalmation. Okay. Graduated in 1960. Did, did you move there because of white flight? Uh Mm, well, that was not that I knew that was of. Pretty white yeah, flight, yeah. fifty-four. Yeah, yeah. 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 it's like yeah, yeah. Some, some real, yeah. yeah. Well, because to be me, I gotta interject this with the irony of it is because the even though I was five years old when I moved, I you know nobody had TVs, and it was black. I remember seeing it, and as you know, if you're from here, this city there's a corner grocery, corner bar, corner grocery corner bar. Right. Every neighborhood is filled that way. Well, there was a neighborhood bar that all the parents went to to watch the Friday night fights because nobody had a TV. Uh-huh. I saw Floyd Patterson and oh man, beat the uh, blank. But anyway, it was a historical fight. Right. But they would put the kids in the sandwich shop okay. and put the ju- jukebox on automatic play uh-huh. So, so I would hear all this music all the great from the New 50s. Orleans records, right? Yeah, and they would give us free roast beef full boys and Barks root beer nice. and Dickie's potato chips. And uh-huh. so we'd be dancing and carrying on until the news came on and they drug our asses back home. But in the neighborhood, there was no, obviously it was in the 50s, so there was definitely segregation. There was a lot of, sure. you know, but my experience was. The, the the gumbo, yeah, you all know the people from the neighborhood. The, it was all the people. It didn't matter what color, what race you were. You know, it, you know. Obviously, there was other experiences from other people right. that they grew up with, and you know, I understand that. But my experience, and I think, was a uh, pivotal point of my upbringing, was that I judged people one-on-one. I don't right. care what you look like. You could be an alien, you can be Chinese, you can be African-American, it doesn't matter how we treat each other. And that came from that melting pot in the Treme at that point. Yeah. We were just all people. But it was that's the essence of the New Orleans music. Sure. And our food, it's a gumbo. But so then when I moved to Chalmette, it was, you know, suburbia. And I, yeah. I grew up with that. Now, I've heard you talk about like the the... New Orleans drum style having variations by neighborhood, like the yeah. the, the feel of of the, yeah, yeah. the of of the eighth note, right? Uh, yeah. or, or how you play the backbeat, or even you you remember like pre backbeat, right? Like like when when well, you know, one of my biggest influ- as far as my backbeat, which is no guys would come to town that I met over the years, and they said all they had to do was walk down the street and they could find out where I was playing because yeah. they could hear my backbeat. Right. You know, that's what's playing with Cochran. Before, there was no, nothing was mic'd. No, right. no monitors. You had two microphones, a vocal mic for Wayne and one in front of sax. You had a huge snare drum sound. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Yeah. You know. everything. So, but Al Jackson... With Stax Records, right? Yeah, yeah, great. Was my biggest influence for my backbeat. Yeah, you know, because you could you could set your clock to it. You know, and people that's the you know I have the greatest the best musical gift I have. I have almost a perfect sense of time. Uh huh. You can give me two taps and I'm I can repeat it. Lock in on that. Yeah, lock in on it. But uh, as far as you know, you've got this is a lot of the New Orleans thing. The thing about New Orleans music is 
fluid. Our rhythm and the drumming is fluid. I've had people like Danny Gottlieb and mm -hmm. uh, Peter Erskine, and when they came into town with Weather Report and Pat Metheny, they come and watch me play, and we've become long friends, mm -hmm. and they'd like look and these these guys can play anything, sure. and they go on like, what the hell are these people doing? You know, because it's like fluent. The time is, but the center of the time always stays there. Right. But we're, we're moving all around. Yes. We're looping and and and, and brainiacs. You know, they can't they, they can't comprehend. Try that. to figure out what's going on. It's, yeah, it's they go not like, a calculation. Yeah, man. you yeah, know, it's, it's and, an approximation. But it, so it, that being said. The whole New Orleans thing about it's my way to describe it is that our rhythms are fluid. It's like a floating, living, breathing thing. Right. You know, you talk about <clears throat> sick and tired, or or what was the tune that you and I played? Uh, Rock and Moan. Yeah. yeah, from Hugh uh, Smith and right. Hugh, Hugh Piano, Piano Smith. Smith yeah. You know, it's the it's the elongated eighth note. You know, it's not an eighth note, and it's not a dotted eighth note right, right you know it's somewhere in between that yes. you know i figured sometimes two people are playing uh slightly different variations on that at yeah. the same time yeah i mean a lot of times you yeah. know you listen to the, yeah. like well, if you just isolate the drummer you'd think it's one feel if you right. just isolate the piano player you'd think it's another feel it's both of those two classic representations of that is one dave Bartholomew, the monkey speaks his mind uh-huh you know the drummer is playing on the side of his tom playing straight eighth notes Guitar players, you do that. It's playing like right, a shuffle, right? Right. You know, so you got both these times going on at the time at the same time. That's the rock but, and the roll. Yeah, is that you know? And then you got the pitter pats. It 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 does me good, or you do me good. Right. You know, man, that is way lopsided. Yeah. You know, and and people listen to that and they go, man, they, you know. But that's the essence of. And, and it gets back to something you were talking about in, in terms of that, like, we don't all play the same thing. Like, uh, you know, in, in a lot of parts of the, of the country or types of music, the bass player and the bass drum lock in and they play right. together. We don't play like that here. Right. It's, it's a conversation. It's a yeah. dance that the bass and the bass drum do. Like, right. certain parts of the measure we play together. Other parts right. we don't play together. We right. play in counter, yeah. contrapuntal style. Yeah, yeah exactly. Counter rhythm. Yeah, yeah. counterpart. Well, well, that listen, goes back to the to, thing. I, I hate the, to interrupt you, but if we're going to get a second round, Renee, we've got we to gotta pause right Okay, now. let's do that. It's a good yeah. time to, uh, to take a little break here. We're take a we little can break, do that. another round. Yeah, be right back. We'll be right back. And we're back, back we're in the back. ring room, back with Manny Chevrolet, back with our guest, Mr. Alan Robinson. Yeah, hey, how are you? <laughs> you know. Wake up there, Manny. Yeah, um, so I, uh, before we get back to you, uh, I wanted well, no. to talk oh, wait, about... Uh, enough about me, how about, let's talk about me. Yeah, let's no. talk about you. Yeah, no, uh, no Manny, go, go on. <laughs> no, go on, no, I'm sorry. I, uh, I had to go to the bank... Uh -huh. I thought you went to the bathroom. No, no I went to the no. bathroom right yeah. now, oh, oh. and I spit blood as mm. usual, okay. and I peed blood as usual. That's a little bit more than I you need know. to know. No, well, <laughs> you're you might, asking. You, I didn't ask you. you. Yeah, okay. you said what I went, you know. <laughs> okay, you um, had to go to the bank. Yeah. The bank, yes. So I had to go to the bank to get some money. Okay, they have that. But bank. the ATM was closed, so I had to go inside the bank to get some cash. Okay. Because uh, it was a Saturday, and they're only open till like noon on Saturdays. Mm, yeah, you know, um, they used to be open to one, but now they're only open till noon on Saturdays. Yeah. So I had to go get some cash because my daughter was going to the mall, 
And her and her friends, they're at that age where they go to the mall, they hang out, they're mall rats and stuff like that. So I promised her some cash. So I, I had to get some cash. So I get in line in the, in the bank, inside the bank. And I'm in line, I'm like, there's one person in front of me. And all of a sudden they say, next? They said, next. And the girl, I said, I need $100 cash. The ATM's not working. And she goes, okay, well, fill out this and do this. And I realize I hear this clicking behind me. There's some kind of clicking going on. And the guy behind me in line, you know, there's that velvet rope right. at the bank. And He's not know, cocking his gun, is he? No, no. Oh, okay. I, re- I look back, and he only has one arm, one real arm. The other right. arm is a prosthetic arm with like a clamp. Mm-hmm. Yeah, old, old ke- style. Yeah, 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 he keeps clicking it. Oh, geez. And I look back at him, and he smiles at me. <laughs> And he keeps clicking it. It's a little creepy. Yeah, it's kind of creepy. And he keeps clicking it. And um, I don't know why he's doing that. Yeah. You know, it's like, why are you clicking this? And he keeps smiling at me. So I do my transaction. And then I'm walking away. And he's the next person, you know, to go up to the window. And he stares at me. And he just goes, click, 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 click. I was like, what the fuck's your problem, man? Right. You know, I don't know. But then anyway, and then I realized there's something wrong with this bank. I, mean, I should never go into this bank again because there's like, there's like a couch. They have couches and chairs where people wait to see like, uh, not tellers, but they... The bank to, officers. The, uh, bank officers, right, right, yeah. Right. You want to get a loan or something. Yeah, that kind of thing. And there's a homeless guy wearing shorts and no shirt and a blanket. <laughs> And he's he's <laughs> sitting in the couch. Like what branch? What bank? What this bank? is Capital One. Oh, this is Capital Lord. One in New Orleans. Let yeah, well, of course, yeah, of course it's yeah, New course Orleans. It's, yeah, well, that's well, the only place that would allow a, that kind no, of shit. LA, I've, I've spent some time in LA too. So yeah, well, you got a lot of nerve downtown. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I have tons of nerve. Yeah, yeah. America has yeah. nerve. Um, yeah. So anyway, go on, Manny. Yeah. So I, I I just thought it was strange, you know, yeah. that ruined yeah. my Saturday. And, well, you uh, hardly ever see that kind of old school uh, prosthetic anymore, you know. The, the well, that's another thing I thought about. It's like, why why does this guy have this old school? You know, I guess he's a Korean veteran because he didn't look like a World War II veteran. Well, no, there's he could have been of those. He could have been a Vietnam Korean era. veteran, or even uh, Vietnam era. Yeah, you know? Vietnam era, you know. But I wasn't going to ask him. I just got the no, hell out of no, there. No, no, no. Could have been a train accident, you know. Well, he could just be an asshole who, you know, his father chopped his arm off or something like that, that, you know. There's a lot of that going on. Or maybe he was a chronic masturbator and he he lost it, you know. know, He he lost that, you know. Well, you know, on on an up note, uh, Walter Reed is going to prison tomorrow. The uh, the, the uh, long-time lock-em-up DA in St. Tammany Parish. Yeah, I I had a niece who worked for the North Shore Bureau. Yeah. That broke that story. Really? Yeah, yeah. She, yeah, that guy's been avoiding... She got so jaded with the... disgruntled dis, with the uh, disillusioned with the the news thing she got out of it. Yeah. Works for the um, state fire marshal now. That's, that's helping people a- keep themselves from... You know, that's the thing you want to be angry about. Every winter, people are setting themselves on fire. With space heaters oh, and, yeah. and, and, you know, Christmas trees and sure. things like that. It's like, 
every you know trailers. The, I'm not angry modern, about that at all. <laughs> well, that's something that you should be angry <laughs> about. People setting themselves on fire. You know, I, I mean, because of the lack of education, getting that was your whole point earlier, which is the crux of most of these problems and the situation that we're in is, is lack of public education. Yes. And the the statement you made, yeah, uh, our general population can't read or write, but we can throw a parade. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, that was my point. So the the irony of it is in the sadness is that because of lack of education, you know, people burn their houses down all the time because they don't know any better. You know, that's why we have the highest insurance rates in the country because people don't know how to drive. Right, right. And you we know, have a, and a, half the people don't have insurance. Don't have insurance. Well, that's why it's so high because they can't afford insurance. Exactly. That's why it's so yeah, fucking it's, high. It's, so it's, they're just keeping the people down. Is yeah, what the state does. Well, you know, well, uh, just in gen, in general, uh, an uneducated population is a easily led astray. Yes. Yeah, so population. why are they uneducated? That's why because the whole country. The educated people are keeping them down. Exactly. Okay. You know, so, well, no, not necessarily educated people. The people with money, money classes. Yes. Yeah, money yeah. classes yeah. keeping them down. Yeah, it so. is, it is us against them. Well, capitalism. You know, I tell people all the time: if I can talk you out of every dime you have, that makes me a good businessman. Right. Well, you know, Alan, there's no moral issue. You know, what I mean, sure. I, I, I'm, I, I'm all for free enterprise, and I get, and, and I understand the sense of. You know, uh, supply and demand. Right. Yeah, a, a healthy economy, but at what price? Yes. You know, you can't sell. You know, I literally had really close friends of mine. You know, because I've got some very rich Democratic friends mm-hmm. that have more money than God. You know, it's like, okay, how much money do I need? I got more money than my, you know, I'll ever spend in my life. Sure. But it's like. There's a certain population, you know, small that controls everything that no amount of money is ever going to be enough. Right. We're just keeping score at a certain point. Yeah. Well, the thing is, and and I had some, a a dear friend of mine, you know, tell me, well, you know, sometimes you got to sleep with the devil to get what you want. And I'm going, are you crazy? You know, their portfolio looks great. They're making tons of money. But at what price? Yes. You know, at some point, you're selling your soul. You know what I mean? That's that's the issue I have, uh, you know, with with free enterprise and capitalism. And, you know, and then you've got the other hand with checks and balances. Well, then you're so restricted. When I get their point, you know, all my life, I've rode the fence. Mm -hmm. You know, I'll go with the left and I'm going, yeah, you're right. And we're going, "Mm, no, that's stupid. Then I go to the right and go, well, yeah, you're right. No, that's stupid. You know, it's like nobody has any answers. You know, and as long nobody as you has all the answers. Yeah, yeah, and as long as you interject human nature, which is greed and fear. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, it's so we're doomed. You know, capitalism is flawed by design. Once you interject the human element into it, it's it's going to be a clusterfuck forever. So all we can hope to do is to come out, you know, try to be decent people, keep a sense of humor about the situation and hope for the best cuz or have a parade or a yeah, second have a parade line. or yeah. a second Take line. Your, you know, some kind of diversion. Yeah. You know, yeah. uh, Become a musician. Yeah, yeah. Come, uh, <laughs> bury, school, kids. bury yourself in, 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 in a, a career of unsatisfied pursuit. <laughs> well, no, here's the thing, Alan. Now, you must admit, as, 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 as you say that in jest, you would not it trade it oh, I wouldn't. for anything. Hey, because I was, I was a punk from Chalmette, and it, music took me 
all over the world. I've I've rubbed elbows with some of the richest people in, in the world. I've eaten some of the best restaurants and food and in the world. That, and I've traveled all over sure, the world. Sure, sure. On being a musician's dime. And otherwise, you would have stayed in Chalmette the rest of your life. You would work for Avondale or, you know. Yeah, or, you, or, know, you know. Yeah, pretty much. Somewhere, I, I, somewhere. I, I'd, be, I'd be a line cook at Rocky and Carlos. Okay, there you go. <laughs> Which is not a bad life. It's not a bad life, yeah. yeah. But I get to eat for free, for yeah, sure. Yeah. Well, uh, and, and, but, you know, j- j- without all the travel and the hobnobbing, just being there on the bandstand when you have a band like the Wayne Cochran band oh, yeah, yeah. or a band like the well, Luther Kent band. The double-edged sword. There's nothing that can ever compare to no, that. But the double-edged sword is like your first fix. Is that I was, unfortunately, I was very successful at a young age and I played with only the best musicians. Right. And then when I got to a certain point and quit touring or then where I was just... You know, when I came back, right. well, you just you're full in a city full of musicians, and you're just a regular Joe. Right. So for years, I had to play with guys that would, you know, I went on a road with caliber that you used yeah, to, yeah, you know, yeah. because I had to make a living, and that's sure. all I could do. Right. You know, and that, and so, and yes, we've we've limited our options. Yeah. Cause, well, yeah, yeah. I went on a road with Tad Benoit. I did six years with him, and wow. I did three records with him. I went on a road with him. Ninety four, got back. So in tell our audience who Tab Benoit is. He's a national blues act. Okay. And from home of Louisiana. Okay. I came back to New Orleans. Guys that were too incompetent to have gigs were leaders of gigs. Uh-huh. I'm going, what the hell has right. happened to this right. city? I went around and, list- and checked out all the gigs because now I've got to start stealing work. Right, sure, <laughs> sure. So I'm going to go see, okay, this gig. And I'm, I'm listening to these drummers and I'm going, who in the hell did they ever hear play this way? Uh-huh. I'm going, what <laughs> the fuck the is going that on? That's how what record did you ever hear a drummer play this way? Uh-huh. You know, and the music scene just in general over the years has disintegrated and so self-absorbed. It's all about, you know, I've, I've practiced this Vinnie Cayuta lick all week. I'm going to put it in every song oh, that I know. Oh, that nothing nothing makes my blood boil. Yeah. I like being on a gig and hearing somebody play something that I can tell they worked on. Yeah, this exactly. Like, oh, well, and the same you, thing. Man. It's like Please. I show up to a gig and, you know, for years I couldn't tell people I played with Jocko. Uh, because yeah, right. oh they would jockle me to death right 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 I said dude number one you're not going to play anything I haven't heard yeah. and number two you're not jockle you're, I said you don't num- yeah. number one first of all you don't get it jockle gave you freedom to be that's what the genius to of be Dave you, Watson not to be him yeah he yes. he gave you the freedom to not instead of doing this you're doing he gave you the freedom to be the best you could be don't don't try to you know you know and you know made me crazy I show up on a gig and have a guy going do 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 you know right 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 <laughs> I wanted to break his fingers, yeah. you know. But, but you know, I actually yeah. have that in my notes about about Jocko and about how. And when I was studying with Alice, I was super into Jocko. And so, right. who is Jocko? Tell so our Jocko, audience. Jocko Pastorius. Jocko Pastorius. Well, yeah. you, you you tell yeah. them. Well, there, I you know I used to say this for years, and until I was paraphrased, I didn't realize how poignant it was. And I saw it, and I've been written up in more bass player magazines sure, than, sure, than drummer magazines. Yeah, yeah, than drummer magazines. And uh, the the best way I describe it is that there's bass before Jocko and there's bass after Jocko. So who is before Jocko? Uh, just everybody. Everybody. You know, everybody. Uh, you know Ray uh, Brown. Ray, you know, just, uh, every electric bass player. So who's bass, bass after Jocko? Uh, let's see, Victor Wooten, Marcus Miller. Any, uh, I tell you what. See, I've never heard of any of these people. Yeah. Well, it's well, a musician. Yeah, it's a music. Yeah. That, 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 and you so. can hear it in... in, in 
as much as any player as like Miles and Coltrane, and not only Jocko changed the way the instrument was played. So Miles was a bass player? No. No, just He in was in terms, terms of, oh, of changing the, mu- the face of music. Oh, okay. Uh, 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 art, uh, musicians that changed the way music was played. Okay. Jocko was in that line. Yeah. Is that they, there was that instrument, the bass, the electric bass, was played a certain way. Okay. He came along not only changed the way that instrument was played, he changed the way music sounded forever. Almost any genre of music you listen to, I don't care the way it's Beyonce or, or that insipid modern country music. So where music, is Jocko today? Unfortunately, he, had, he was beat to death. By a really? Bouncer. Yeah, a terrible loss. It's I remember, a tragic I remember story. the day I, I was in, happened to be in New York and actually ran into Ricky Sebastian right, on the, yeah, on the yeah, street yeah, right. that day when, when we were hearing the news and we were all shocked. We couldn't believe that we'd. Because I'd just seen Jocko a couple of years before well, play with the Word of Mouth band. Yeah, and, and yeah. Unfortunately, it was a long time coming. It, it was the thing about Jocko, in, in same, at some point, Charlie as well. It wasn't like uh, if. We're gonna we're gonna lose him. Yeah. It was like when, yeah, you know, because his, uh, uh, you know, and sadly, you know, Charlie was an alcoholic, yeah, you know, and you know, as as we all, you know, personally speaking as well, uh, the things that make you a, a great artist or musician at some point will will make you crazy or you know Can, and yeah. yeah and and or will you become a uh, the things that you did. Because we're so manic and obsessed, that's why we sat and practiced for six to eight hours yes, a day every day. Yeah, OCD meticulous. Is, yeah, exactly. Is, is a, is a, a, is that's a, what a makes you. Yeah, of yeah that, well, That's what makes that, you a great yeah. artist. Is that OCD? But who eventually, else would do this. Who else yeah. would spend the time necessary unless someone who's right. a little bit nuts in that? But way. as yeah. time goes on, it makes you a drug addicted alcoholic. It can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you have to come to terms with that, right? And realize that you know, okay, well that worked. 20 years ago, well, you know, you, you just can't do that right. anymore. So, well, I was going to say, like, Jocko ruined bass players in a certain kind of way, like, like people say, uh, you know, Bob Dylan ruined popular right. music. Right. Because a guy comes along who so is able to break all the rules right. and make it work that everybody goes, oh, I could do that. And they go, no, right. you he could do that. Right. Please don't think, please don't try to be Jocko. And when I was studying with Alice, I was super into to Jocko and Ella said, you know, Jocko plays great. I've heard a million guys who try to play like Jocko who are not Jocko. Find your own voice. And that's, they don't, they don't, there will never be Jocko. Right. And, and yes. And yeah. so it, 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 well, that was the like when Tony Williams came out, you know, sure. it's like, oh my God, every drummer on every gig, you know, and, and it's just, unfortunately, if you, you well, it used to be you didn't work a lot, but unfortunately, there's a lot of musicians in this town. You know, there's a lot of great musicians, there but there's a lot so of, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, but there are a lot of croakers in this town. I'm going like, holy crap, how does EP get a gig? But unfortunately, there's an acceptance of what, there's such a misconception. You know, the music scene is like, man, I'm just so, you know, it's like, oh my God, I'm so glad, you know, that I'm you know, at some particular point, you know, I can pick and choose who I want to work with and when I want to work and stuff. Right. And, you know, and I've earned a certain amount of respect sure. over the years because of the history that I have. Yeah. But it's like, you know, going, holy crap. You know, there's just one last thing with uh, the first time 
Marcus Miller, I had a friend recount this to me. He uh, went to a clinic for Marcus Miller. Mm-hmm. And somebody always asked me, he said, well, what, what, you know, because they all, all, you know, they all give kudos to Jocko, even though they have their own sound. They right. found their own voice. Right. But what enabled them was that he opened the door. He opened the door. Yep. So they said, well, what, what are your thoughts about Jocko? He said, well, the first time I saw Jocko, I'm sitting there and I'm going, yeah, I can do that. If I practice enough, I can do that. But you know what I'll never be able to do? understand why yeah because he was tapped in whatever i mean from beethoven mozart to james brown it didn't matter this guy was tapped in and he pulled his plane pulled from all of that and that was the thing that used to mesmerize he would do quotes from like podemsky and people they go like where the hell did he pull that from look here's what what blows my mind is when he got on the wayne cochran band he didn't read. How, right, how yeah. can you play like that right. and not understand, not be able to visualize? Well, I mean, he obviously could visualize had, it in some kind of internal yeah, way, yeah, but he, he did, didn't. Yeah. He, well, I'll uh, tell you a brief story. He came in for the audition. Oh, no, I, go ahead. Yeah, tell, no, tell no, I'll make it brief. Yeah, he yeah. came in for the audition, and we uh, played through the t- uh, most book, of the book, uh-huh. and then it was a rehearsal. Right. So Charlie pulled out a new chart, and Jocko said, I can't read that. And he said... What do you mean you can't read that? You just played my book down perfectly. Uh-huh. He says, well, I was here a couple of nights ago, and I heard the show. He heard the show one time. Yeah, and he, yeah it had perfect recall. What, uh, unbelievable. Yeah. It's mind-blowing. Yeah. Yeah. But then he obviously learned to read because he was able to, to right. write. So it's well, a, he, he this, developed that while he was yeah, out there with you? Yeah, exactly. Charlie? You know, the, the, the two milestones that changed music forever was when he took his frets out. Sure. I was in a room. What we used to do on the road, he would, Charlie had a little Casio and he'd be writing. And so Jocko had his bass uh-huh. and would stand over Charlie and listen to him, all these voicings and stuff. And I had a book that I used to do these exercises to, a Ted Reed book of syncopation. Uh-huh. Charlie made cassettes for me of music that he wanted me to listen to. So I've got the headphones on. Nobody can hear what I'm listening to. And I'm playing these exercises over all these jazz tunes, R&B tunes. It was an eclectic thing. Uh-huh. And Jocko could hear my rhythm. Mm-hmm. So he's playing all these ostinatos. Uh, right, Is that right. correct way to Ostinato pronounce it? part, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and arpeggios and stuff. Uh-huh. And all these scales over Charlie's voicings over my rhythms. Uh-huh. You know, and that was the, the groundwork. God, that's, and, and watching Charlie write, that's how he learned how to orchestrate. He came in, he came to Charlie, he said, Charlie, look, if I wrote a tune, you think the band would play it? Charlie said, yeah, shit. So he came in with this little head chart. Uh-huh. You know, and Charlie said, man, get the fuck out of here. He said, you're going to write a tune? Write a tune. He came back the next day with this elaborate orchestrated tune called Domingo, uh-huh. which is, and it was just brilliant. But he wrote three tunes while he was on uh, the Wayne Cochran band. Okay. Uh, Domingo, Amelia, and Microcosm. Okay. And then he, then he left shortly after that. But that was the first. He could write head charts. Like, you know, okay, you know, you play the head, solos. Right, right. You know, and, and that was it. But as far as writing a complicated, sophisticated arrangement, arrangement right. you know, and he acknowledged that for years. You know, he always said that Charlie... But yeah, and then you hear like the stuff that he writes for for Joni Mitchell on those, right. and they sound like Charlie, Charlie Brent. Brent. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know. So, 
So crazy, man. So crazy. Yeah, it's a it's a uh, a unique circle. No kidding, man. God, you know? it's, it's and such a so, such such a treat to have uh, you know to have you on the on the podcast and have known you this long, man. Yeah, I, yeah. I think you know, I, I think about that all the time because I remember it. You know, I mean, like you would. Uh, you were just such a, you know, you would, like you said, what, 15, 16 years old? Because basically that's when I really got, uh, you know, right. I started gigging sure. at that age. And uh, that was back when I was, you know, we had the Blue Saloon gig with Luther. We didn't start till 2 o'clock in the morning. Right. So Dave and I did all these social gigs, uh-huh. society gigs, you right. know. We could do an 8 to 12, you know, a 9 to 1, yeah. and still make our late night gig. And yeah, things like you guys that. had special, special catering over yeah, there. Yeah, so, when yeah. I, and that was back then, you know, that's what you did. Right. You know, before I, before I did took Tab's gig, from 1992 to 1994, I worked seven days a week, five days of doubles for two years straight. That was my re- and then I did Jeez. some work on top of that. Jeez. You know, cause it, and but that's what you had to do. You know, you playing fifty dollar matinees and bullshit and things like that. I made more money in the sixties. Than I'm making now. Well, that's when we locally. Had, that's when we had a union. That's when we had the musicians' union, right. and we had uh, you know minimums and all that's gone. That's that's right. Uh, that well, you know, you know what? With, in uh, my opinion, you know what killed Bourbon Street? You know what killed the music scene? Hmm. The Go Bar. Go Why do I need to go inside? Oh, okay. The biggest mistake New Orleans made was that Mardi Gras. They advertised Mardi Gras as the biggest free show in the world. Okay, you come here, you get your big-ass beer for $4, you know, and you walk up and down the street, and you can... I remember the days when it's like, okay, the bounce, the doorman opened the door and let you look in and hear the music. You coming in? No, okay, and shut the door. There was nothing on the street. There was no reason for you to be on the street. Now, and it's been like this for a long time, the party is on the street. No why, do I, why do I want to go into a bar and pay $10 for a drink when I can get my big-ass beer, 12 ounces of beer for $4 and walk up and down the street? Right. You know? You know Bourbon Street's been And get shot. For, yeah, yeah. yeah, I get oh, shot. Now, now well, you know, I, I, and it's been like that for, it's like clockwork orange. Yeah. <laughs> roving, roving bands of hoodlums. Yeah. Oh, you know, Jesus. skank crack whores, and it's just, it's the nastiest. Yeah, Between the t-shirts and the go bar, yeah, it's ruined awful. the whole music scene. This city's an armpit. But anyway. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you so much. It looks like they're closing the ring. Oh, yeah, we got to get out of here. So, yeah. Okay, I got to hurry my drink. So, yeah. Well, thank you so much, Alan. You've hey, been Renee, it's, it's, it's been a hoot, man. Absolutely. Uh, man. Uh, you know, you're, you're a dear friend of mine. You know, we haven't played in a long time, but uh, I have fond memories Probably of the time Probably a reason for that, but anyway. uh, it, yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just circumstances. Yeah, yeah, circumstances, you know. But... Um, it was great fun. Let huh? me give you a Troublemint oh, podcast. Oh man! I'll put that. I'll put that on my. I'll put that on my car so yeah, it'll get keyed. Yeah, exactly. Put one on your car. Oh look! Yeah. Okay, so give one to the cop who pulls you over. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, did I just say I got to go across the causeway? Oh well. Oh no! Uh, no. I've only had. Uh, I'm not drinking. No, no, no. no and no, Walter no, Reed's no. going to jail tomorrow, so you're in good shape. Yeah, yeah, we're yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, it's no longer. All right, with Nation, uh, yeah. trouble never ends, but the struggle continues. I Be safe you. out there. Yes, and thank you guys. Have fun.
Get it.